listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. G'day and welcome to episode 125 of On The Road. It's great to have your company as always. This week, Mike presents a very special and moving interview when he chats with Donna Vaudry, the daughter of Aussie female trucking legend Toots Holzheimer and the author who captured her mother's amazing life story in the biography simply titled Toots. This is a story of courage, tenacity and incredible drive against the odds to be one of the best in what was at the time considered to be a man's world. We've got all the news from the Golden Guitar Awards last week in Tamworth with music from Andrew Swift, Amber Lawrence and James Johnston. Plus we hear a classic song dedicated to the wonderful Toots Holtheimer from the godfather of Aussie country music himself, the late great Slim Dusty. Mike shares one listener's distress at the appalling treatment she was given at a South Australian roadhouse in Something to Talk About, and of course our On the Road news this week featuring the last and worst of my legendary dad jokes. It's my last show this week and we were determined that I'd go out with a bang, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the On the Road program. <laughs> it was April 1979, and a cast of thousands of disillusioned truckies were making history setting up a series of blockades the likes of which had never been seen before and most likely will never be seen again. Led by Ted Greenog Stevens and a small band of dedicated individuals, this massive wave of protest against unreasonable working conditions, unfair pay rates and unjust laws spread like wildfire from its home base atop Razorback Mountain. Razorback, The Real Story is the book written by Ted Stevens that chronicles the dramatic days of the blockade, the battles with politicians and the media, and that time in history when truckies around the country united in a powerful force and said, enough. Razorback, The Real Story has now been made into a beautifully produced audiobook, available for purchase at ontheroadradio.com.au Whatever you do, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to discover all the facts and details of the Australian trucking legend that is simply known as Razorback. Let's kick off our show this week with the winner of this year's Golden Guitar Award for Male Artist of the Year at the 51st Annual Australian Country Music Festival held at Tamworth last weekend. To get us off to a rockin' good start, here's Andrew Swift with The Good Old Days. Tired of the cars in a row at the red light 
Donna Vaudrey with me. Now, Donna is a very interesting lady. She is the daughter of Toots Holzheimer, well-known, probably the best-known Australian female truckie anyway, worked up on the Cape in North Queensland for about, what, 30 years, I suppose, as a driver? Just over 30 years, yes. And I've got Donna with me to talk about the book that she wrote and her memories of her mum and all that sort of stuff. We can still get the book, and I've been trying to talk Donna into doing an audio book with me, but it's already been done. So let's find out about all that. Donna, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic, thanks. And how are you? Oh, look, I'm just wonderful, mate. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm like a little kid in a lolly shop. There's so much stuff to talk about with respect to your mum and the achievements that she made and the mark that she left on the industry. Just where do you start? 
That's a good question. Um, usually, you know, the cliche, start at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. <laughs> All right. Let's start at the very beginning. I read an article when I was doing some research before I had a chat with you. I read an article in the Cape York Weekly written by a bloke named Matt Nichols. And it's the title of the article was written last year for the 30th anniversary of your mum's passing. It was Gone But Never Forgotten, Toots Legacy Lives On in the Cape. And it's uh, still there on the internet. If you just Google Toots Holtzheimer, you'll find it there. Your mum had a pretty tough start in life. She had a really tough start in life. Not even just in the trucking industry, but you go right back to her own childhood when her mum died and how her dad thought at the age of 12, you're quite old enough to fend for yourself. So, yep, you go off to work and she had her first pregnancy, fell pregnant at age 16, was rejected by the family, moved to Cairns, actually hitchhiked to Cairns from Brisbane with her brother, Uncle Chauncey. Mm. So, yeah, she, she had a pretty tough beginning and she was in a world too where society expected the female to be a mother, stay at home, look after the kids and dote on the husband. And she definitely was not one for sticking to norms. <laughs> no, she wasn't. And certainly some of the photographs and some of the comments people have made about her in her later life, uh, even she herself said that if you wanted to take a man's job, then you've got to be able to work like a man. Yes. But she was still feminine, I believe. I've, I've heard comments from people that say that she was a real lady. She never became, this is the words of somebody else, they, I did not make these words up, but she never became a half-baked man. And I thought, what a wonderful description, because she didn't. She remained a female all the way through. And even though she said, you know, like if you're going to take on a man's job, you've got to work like a man, what she was saying is no matter what job you take on, you do the job. Yeah. So you don't go into this industry. And in those days, of course, women in trucking was not the norm. But you don't go in thinking, oh, you know, I can play on being a woman and expect men to load my truck, to service my truck. No, no, no. If you're going to do the job, you do the job. Just on the truck quickly, we'll get this one out of the way first because I think it's probably the shortest one. That was the blue MAN that she used most pictures with. Is that the only truck that she ever had? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) It was the last truck that she bought and it became famous because Mm. Peter Luck did a TV series called The Australians. Yes. And that was the truck in the film. But it's also the truck, sadly, that she died with. She was loading that on the day when the tragedy happened. So, yes, it's famous for many reasons. But she had all sorts of trucks. She did a lot with them. You know, she had the high nose and, oh, you name it, she's had. Ron liked his Leylands, so (laughs) (laughs) he tended to stick with those. But things had to be modified on the truck where they put the toolboxes and Yeah, just different things on the truck mum modified to suit the Cape Roads. Well, I'll tell you what, there would have been some things up there. The Cape Roads weren't really roads, were they? They were just goat tracks. Exactly, yes. I believe the first road through was just the Telegraph Road. So there was enough road like cleared for the four-wheel drives to go through and service the Telegraph. That was from Cohen through, yes. And mum followed the Telegraph poles through. And I believe they cut down trees and spent hours digging themselves out of the black soil. It would have been a hard slog. It was a hard slog. The trees mostly, well, she used trees for two reasons. Mm. One, they made bridges because the rivers didn't have bridges and so you'd put the logs to make a bridge to go across the rivers where necessary. 
and she also used the poles on the first trip in the season when the roads were really bad and you're opening up the roads for the season you often got bogged and to get out of them you did what was called poling Mm. so you'd cut down a tree the right size roughly about 20 centimeters so that you could put that pole between the duels and it'd make like an artificial road and it'd get some grip and get you out of the bog. So it was all cut down by axe though. She never had a chainsaw. So yeah. Wow. Just on that truck still, I know it went to Alice Springs for a little while. It's been restored and it's back up in North Queensland now, that truck, isn't it? Yes. It's at the Diamond Tina in Winton. And obviously you can go and see it there. Is it just the prime mover? Is there a trailer there as well or? Just the prime mover, it's undercover in the main storage area when you first go into the Diamond Tin and come in through the front door, go through the gift shop, and it's, oh, I think, the fifth truck on the right-hand side. There's a couple in there. <laughs> it's getting bigger and bigger. I haven't been there for a few years now, so I'm going to go back out and check on it and make sure it's all still all honky-dory out there. Well, I'm sure it is. I'm certain it is because Robin has done an amazing job out at Winton and maintaining those trucks and her husband, Peter, he, if we can't get out there, because every two years they have the Winton Festival and they like to get the trucks running and put them in the parade and Peter or someone from our family, if we've gone over, but somebody will drive it in the parade, which is really lovely. Why did you, I mean, obviously the truck really sort of belongs in North Queensland. When you decided to move it, what was the ultimate decision-making factor? Why did you move it? From Alice to Winton. Yeah. Just to bring it back into Queensland. And over at Alice, it was also outside, whereas in Winton, it's undercover, so it'll last a bit longer. But basically, the bottom line was, let's bring it closer to home. Ron was Toots' partner, obviously, husband. Yes. He came from a trucking family. He was sort of the one that, that got Toots behind the wheel, wasn't he? Yeah. He secretly was teaching mum how to drive because Ron worked for his younger brother, John. Yep. And John hated the thought of females. He was really old school. No, a woman's place is in the home Mm. looking after the kids. Women do not drive trucks. (laughs) He was adamant about that. So Ron was teaching because mum really wanted to know. She loved trucks and mechanically she was servicing Uncle Chauncey's cars and stuff as teenagers. So she's been involved mechanically but not driving, you know, for many, many years, really wanted to. So Ron was teaching her slyly, thankfully, because, you know, the day came when he got crook and she had to take over. So it it was good. But even when Ron's brother John got to know that Toots was driving, Mm. he refused to pay mum. He said, no way in the world, I don't pay women. So, yeah, Ron was given a little bit extra for mum doing the driving. It took a long time for that to sort itself out. But ultimately she went ahead and and bought her own trucks, we know. Yes. And she developed her reputation as being the first one in after the wet season and the last one out. Yes. That's a pretty big rep. Driving up and down there wasn't as easy as it is today. Definitely not. Today, going to Weeper now... You can get to Weeper. If there's no other traffic on the road, I believe you can do it in like eight, eight and a half hours. Mm. Average time is around 12 if there's not too much traffic. But of course, as the road keeps improving, 
it's just getting shorter and shorter to get through to Whimper now. Bamaga, a different story. To get from the Archer River up to Bamaga takes a bit longer. Yeah. Because the road there just hasn't had any work done to it. Well, it doesn't have the traffic flow, I suppose, does it? No. I've had a bit of a drive around up there, obviously, in the car. I've never actually been up that far in a truck. I think I've, as far as I've only, I've only ever been to Atherton and Mareeba, I've loaded spuds out of up there back in the day. But even then, it's just a long way to go. So, yeah. <laughs> it is a long way. It is beautiful country, though. It is. The changing scenery and, you know, like, okay, you've been to Mareeba. You would have seen the big ant hills around Mareeba. I have seen the big They ant. can grow so large. And you go to the Cape and you're heading up there and they take a different shape. You've got the magnetic ones which go north-south and stuff and they're thin, not big and round like the ones in Mareeba. And just that changing scenery and the trees and the animal life, it is really pretty. I enjoyed the scenery up there, I really did. Unfortunately, when you're driving a truck for a living, sometimes you get to go all over Australia but you don't get to see very much. That's a bit of a downside sometimes. That is very true. It's good to be a passenger sometimes. <laughs> Just moving on with the work that she did, I believe there is potential of a telemovie or a, some sort of a documentary or something about her. What's the story with that? Is that going to happen? Fingers crossed. There's a producer, Tristan Barr, has been working on a film script now for three years, four years nearly. Yeah. A lot of interest is shown. The biggest problem is money. Of course. But Tristan's optimistic that it will go ahead. He keeps putting script writers on it. There's a new script writer working on it at the moment, Eddie Bell. Fingers crossed that he'll come up with some sort of story and <laughs> hopefully it will go to film in the not-too-distant future, which would be fantastic. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? So I suppose the old truck would get rolled out and maybe take a starring role in there. Oh, that would be a nice thought. My thoughts, and I mean, I'm not the producer and this is just me dreaming. Of course. That if it goes to film, that a promotion could be done where we'd have to piggyback mum's truck because it's too old now, I, I think, to do a road trip. But even piggybacking it around and doing a little trip around, even if it's just Queensland, promoting the movie that way when, with the truck. Because I know when we piggybacked it over to Winton, the interest from the public was phenomenal. We might have to get hold of our friends at uh, Trucking Women Australia Limited and uh, Women in Trucking Australia, and maybe they can get behind the thing and help make it happen. Oh, that would be fantastic. I'm talking with Donna Vaudry, daughter of legend Toots Holzheimer, and we will be right back after this quick message from our sponsors. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. There's a lot of varied information. You've got to believe what you read on the internet. 
<laughs> Take it all with a grain of salt. Well, I, when I was researching about your book and turning it into an audio book, because I've got a bit of a passion for doing that these days, all I thought you had was a hard copy and an e-book. I didn't know there was an audio book, and I sent you that email. Can I turn your mum's story into an audio book? And you sent me back the email. I said, oh, it's already been done. Thanks very much. So yes. <laughs> you've got to believe what you read on the internet. Now, I understand that there were two separate inquiries into the incident at Weeper. What really happened? The day of the accident, well, let's go back a couple of days before the accident. Mum was thinking of retiring the truck, putting the man out to rest because she was starting to get a bit long in the tooth now. She's 20 years old and she had done a lot of work. So she was thinking, oh, will I pay the registration? Won't I? Will I? Won't I? Will I? Won't I? Because money with mum was always short and it was a big decision to make. She had a severe asthma attack. She was a chronic asthmatic and numerous times had to be hospitalised because of the asthma. Now, all that happened prior to the accident. So things were a little strained, might be a nice way of saying it. And then on the morning, they'd loaded Ron's truck with the pylons from the Weeper Wharf, but there were a few left over and mum said, oh, you know, well, okay, let's load mine and we'll get them all done in the one hit. So she took her truck down to have it loaded mm. and the very last pylon, which was actually only a half length one, the crane lifted it and it started to swing. He had a dogman, but they couldn't control the swinging and something mum never, ever, ever done. And I can only put it down to the fact that, you know, she'd had the asthma attack and was concerned, you know, the truck at the moment was not registered. She turned her back on the crane. Oh, no. And the pylon, when she's loading, mum always hides, you know, the dual wheels on the trailer. Mm. You can get in behind the wheels and that was her yeah. hidey hole and it was in, in the dual wheels. She was there and the pylon struck her against the chest. It wasn't the pylon itself, but on the end of the pylon, there is a steel plate and it was that steel plate that got between mum and the truck. It hit her right on the chest yeah. and it burst the aorta. Oh. So she collapsed to the ground, was able to sort of say, I can't breathe, and that was pretty much it. By the time the ambulance came and everything, it was mum was gone. So yeah. it was very, very, very tragic. Yeah. But there were two inquiries into it that came. The results were that it was a tragic accident. Hopefully it will never happen to anybody else again. But mm. It was a very, very different time back then. I think the occupational health and safety standards have changed a little bit since then. Oh, definitely. But in saying that, mum was not one for workplace health and safety anyway. Her PPE didn't exist. <laughs> Barefoot, no, you know, just nothing. <laughs> I wore my skirt, my shirt, and that was it. Yeah, no, I have memories of loading steel at big steel mills back in the day in our shorts and thongs and T-shirts and a terry toweling hat. Yep. <laughs> Maybe if we felt like we wanted to protect our head from the sun a little bit. It was just the way things were and you kicked your toe once or twice, you didn't do it again. It was one of those things. Which is the bottom line. Mm. You learnt and you were more careful and that's what mum said. She was more aware because, as you say, you stub your toe once, you're not going to do it again. Yeah, knock the skin off the end of your toe, it doesn't tickle. And I mean, like mum loaded those 44-gallon drums barefoot 
you know, you tilt it on its side, you roll it, yeah. and, you know, the potential mm. is phenomenal. Mm, it is. But she never did anything, so never had an accident, not with loading the truck. She did roll the truck three times, but not in loading the truck. Well, she's no stranger to putting one on its side. Uh, the truck, yes. There are a couple of images of your mum doing really tough work up there. Probably comment in the news story was the most graphic image he had of Toots was her bogged to the axles and she's covered with mud in a floral sundress, yep. working a way to get herself out of trouble. And there are plenty of photographs like that of her about blowing out an air filter, for example. When you think about your mum today and you see those images of her, and obviously you've got your memories of her as a young adult yourself, could you ever see yourself doing what she did? No. <laughs> Very short, sweet answer. Very short, very to the point. Okay, moving right along then. <laughs> what did you end up doing? What did you take away from life's lessons from your mum? The life lesson I learned from mum was that no matter what you take on, you do it. And stop looking for excuses. You know, like people will say things like, you can't do that in life, irrespective. Mum heard it a lot in the trucking industry. But we all hear it. We hear it as children growing up. You know, you can't do that. Whatever it is, anything from singing to playing in a big orchestra, whatever it is, you can't do that. Mum never accepted those words. You can't do that. And I think it's something I've taken with me and no matter what a problem is, at the moment I'm trying to fix the vinyl on a dumbbell mm. and I was told, no, you can't do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like waving the red flag before the bull. Yeah. There is always a solution and you've got to find it. It takes time, it takes effort, no matter what you do it. I did that in my own life. I decided that I wanted to get, would you believe, an accounting degree. Okay. So I went through externally and did my university and got my accounting degree. All of this I did after my children had gone through school and got their degree. So I was a very mature age student mm -hmm. to get mine. And I did it whilst I was working full-time. I finished it whilst I was actually writing the book. So I was working full-time, writing the book and studying. And during all of that, would you believe Cyclone Larry hit Innisfail? Larry. I remember yep, Larry. back in 2006. <laughs> So people say you can't do things. You can. Mm. It means being organised. It means having that attitude where you're not defeated by it. Mum hitched her skirt up, tucked it into her knickers and got on with it, <laughs> dug her way out of bogs, built dams to stop the flooding so she could put some dry sand around the truck. Takes effort, but 99% of the time it worked. The general rule is there's usually a way around it. It's an incredible thing to look back at the memory and the legacy that she created and uh, some of the memorials up there, obviously the uh, crossing at uh, Kennedy Creek, which is uh, the Toots Holzheimer Bridge. Yes. Warren Inch sort of helped make that happen, I think, didn't he? He did, yes, thanks to him. It was wonderful. What was the process there? How did that happen? The bridge was being built and names were put forward as to what to name the bridge. And that happens quite a lot. Yeah. It actually has happened again down in Canberra. They were naming streets yeah. and proposals were put forward. And I'd received an email from a lady and saying, look, I want to put this proposal forward, which was to name a street down there after mum. So a similar process 
and Warren went into bat for mum for the bridge and got that and this lady in Canberra has got the street down there. There's a whole Simon Street down there now in Canberra. So, you know, other people do it and they'll ask permission and we say yes, which is wonderful. Slim Dusty wrote a song, The Truck is a Lady. Yes. Which ended up getting a golden guitar for in 1998. Did Slim ever talk to you about any of that first or was it just something that happened and you found out about later? Well, that one's a story in itself because I personally didn't know Slim, but my sister Cheryl, her mother-in-law, <laughs> okay. you got the track here going, yeah. knew Slim, and she wrote to them and said, you know, this would make a good song. So her name is Mary. Mary is the one that instigated that. But other people had written songs as well about Mum. They were just weren't as famous as the one by Slim. Well, anything, I think Slim wrote a few things. And for those that want to know, that's on the album Making a Mile. So that's the one that picked up the golden guitar in 1998. And Joy will tell you, Slim's wife, mm. she wrote the song. Oh, okay. Slim sang it, yeah. Well, we can't give him credit for something he didn't do then, can we? <laughs> Pretty good singer, though. Absolutely. Mum loves Slim songs. Sure she, she played did. them in the truck. Well, there's a young fella running around from Queensland, running around Australia now. They call him uh, the Travelling Jackaroo or something. He's calling so Sam Hughes, his name is anyway. And he's got an old Chamberlain tractor he drives around called Slim. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a mad Slim Dusty fan, young fella. He's doing a great job. Raises money for Dolly's Dream and a few other charities, RFDS and things like that. He's a great young fella. That's a side issue. Mm. On memorials, the Archer River Roadhouse, there's a plaque there set into a very large stone. How did that happen? That piece of granite is a mixture of people doing that one. We wanted some sort of a memorial and Cheryl, my sister, had connections, I forget who with now, but the granite came from Lawrence Deli. He's a monumental mason right? and he did like kitchen granite tops and monuments on grave sites and things like that. And Cheryl and um, a friend of hers wrote the poem that went on there and somebody else shaped it, put the map on it, because the shape of the monument is sort of like Queensland. So it, it was all pieced together. And it's a wonderful one. The Archer River really appreciate having that there. Cheryl Mahonishan, who was running that at the time, she's since sold it. She was like an adopted daughter to mum. They were very, very close. So it was it was just a beautiful tribute to mum. That was the next question. How did we end up at the Archer River Roadhouse? I won't ask that now because you've just done it. <laughs> <laughs> no, mum helped Cheryl with that. You know, little things like, as you appreciate, you mentioned earlier, just travelling the Cape and the roads was, wasn't easy. So trying to build up there, everything had to come from Cairns, every brick. Every grass runner, so she wanted lawn. So, you know, mum would take grass up to her and the fuel had to go in 44-gallon drums because you didn't have, like, go to the Bowser and top your fuel up. Things were just so very different. It's hard for people to imagine what it was like. And you, you don't appreciate everything had to be trucked. So every loaf of bread, every egg Mind you, the eggs were a different story because the number of times where Cheryl would go to crack the egg and the yolk on the inside was scrambled just from the corrugation on the road. So the eggshells were fine. They weren't cracked, but the eggs were scrambled on the inside. Lovely. 
and the cans of soft drink where the labelling would actually get rubbed off with the corrugation and, yeah, different life up that way. There are a multitude of stories about the trucking industry and the tough people that worked in it back in the day, servicing the centre of Australia and the northern parts and everywhere. Journalist and producer Peter Luck, who did the work on your mum, described Twitch as a Mother Earth figure. Yes. Big biceps, big breasts, short wavy black hair, brown leathery skin and a dry, slightly gruff and raspy voice. Is that the way to remember your mum? That describes mum, absolutely. I personally remember her smile yep. because, admittedly, she had false teeth, so her fit teeth were nice and even, <laughs> but it was, you know how some people, when they smile, their whole face lights up? Yes. And that's mum. When she smiled, it came through her eyes. The whole face smiled. It wasn't just a grin. It's hard to describe, but I'm sure you understand what I'm trying to say. I do, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible thing, and I feel incredibly privileged to have spoken to you and to talk to you about the book. For those of you interested, the book is available as a hard copy or an e-book through www.toots-thebook.com.au. Just Google it. You'll find it. It's there. There is a vague reference in this Cape York Weekly story about there being an audio book. Now, we have to have a conversation about this audio book, Donna. Mm-hmm. I would love to put it on the new radio station webpage beside the book we're just about to release on Razorback, Ted Stevens' story. Can I talk you into that or what? I think it would be a great idea <laughs> because it is the way the world has gone. Yeah. As I said, I have done an audio and I printed out MP3s, but people today aren't, well... You can't even buy a computer to put the MP3 in now unless you specially design one yourself. <laughs> They're just not coming with it. It's, it's a bit like our day when we grew up, we had tape recorders. Yeah. Kids today wouldn't even know what that was no. or even the record player. Although, mind you, that's coming back into fashion. Vinyl is becoming a thing again. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But the audio with the new... What is it? Audible? Audible books, books and audio books and yeah, they're all around. Where you just hit the download button and listen. Yep. It is the way the world has gone. Yeah. And I think I have to accept that. Even though I'm a very tactile person myself, I like to feel the book and the pages, etc. And <laughs> the world is changing and I need to change with it. So yes. All right, that's great. Well, at least what we'll do then is we'll we'll talk about the details later. We'll put it up there and get it into the ears of some truckies in the cab because you'd be able to read a book while you're driving, but you can listen to an audio book. This is true. Donna, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me on the road. Hopefully we'll talk again down the track. Most definitely. Thanks, Michael. Much appreciated. Cause she lost her shoes in mud When tying on a tow rope And the heavens opened up With the track all wet and slippery As a pork chop in the rain She kicked the motor over Had another go again The old truck groaned and tried to move But didn't have a chance Bogged down to the axle so Toots dragged out the axe Cut down some branches to put underneath the ties Set to work with spade and hands And 
Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Copy there, Andy. Gotcha, go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesels. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing. More to the point, these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland Rail. Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height.
Many of our favourite Aussie music artists were nominated for awards at the 51st Annual Golden Guitar Awards held in Tamworth last week. As always, it was a huge 10 days of celebration in Australia's country music capital. The festival featured over 2,000 music acts across more than 100 venues around Tamworth, with the city's main drag of Peel Street closed off to traffic for the week to provide a huge open-air forum for buskers, dancers and acoustic musical performances. Toyota Park, the festival's largest venue, was home to a non-stop series of open-air events, all live and free, including the multi-artist opening concert, the Toyota Star Maker Grand Final, the hugely popular Back to the Bush Spectacular, as well as the Best of the Buskers and the Golden Gig where rising Aussie stars were given an opportunity to share their music with a massive crowd of appreciative and enthusiastic country music fans. All in all, there were over 2,800 scheduled events, making the 2023 festival the biggest and best ever Tamworth event, with the obvious highlight being the prestigious Golden Guitar Awards ceremony held last Saturday night as the grand finale for 2023. The awards show featured the best of the best performing on the big stage and, of course, the highly anticipated announcement of this year's Golden Guitar Awards. So without further ado, here's a rundown of some of this year's winners. The Golden Guitar Award for Album of the Year went to Casey Barnes for his brilliant Light It Up album. Song of the Year was awarded to husband and wife duo Brooke McClymont and Adam Eckersley for their song Star of the Show. Brooke and Adam were joined on stage to receive their award by their 10-year-old daughter, Tiggy, who also received a coveted Golden Guitar Award for her part in writing the song. This made Tiggy, at just 10 years of age, the youngest ever recipient of a Golden Guitar. Male and Female Artist of the Year awards went to Andrew Swift and Amber Lawrence, respectively. Amber was also back on stage shortly after to receive her second Golden Guitar of the Night for the Vocal Collaboration of the Year Award, which she shared with on-the-road favourite James Johnston. Speaking of James Johnston, he climbed the steps to the stage to receive his second Golden Guitar of the Night, where he was recognised as New Talent of the Year, the highly coveted award in which he narrowly edged out our mates Blake Dantier and Cass Hopeton for the win. Here's what James had to say in accepting his award. And the winner for 2023 Best New Talent goes to James Johnson! With a massive six nominations this evening, this is James's second win, taking his Golden Guitar career tally to two. Well, this is pretty damn cool. In this room tonight are just so many of my heroes and I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for inspiring a young kid from the bush to follow his dream. Thank you guys. I just want to also extend that and just say thank you everybody for welcoming me into this industry. You know, a few years back I said to my wife, I want to quit my job and I want to chase this dream of country music and you never question that and you're in my corner the whole time and I want to say thank you for that. Yeah, thank you very much. Last but not least, when we started this journey, we said, let's put the fans first, make them number one. And this whole time and every decision we make, that's how we think about it. And if it wasn't for you guys showing up to the gigs, waiting in line just to come and say g'day, none of this is possible. And I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been in my corner. This one's for you. I love you guys. Thank you.
To close out this 2023 Golden Guitar Awards recap, here's Amber Lawrence and James Johnston with their Vocal Collaboration of the Year Golden Guitar Award-winning single, Same Songs. Chicken fried, take me back to Friday nights with good friends at 2 a.m. just drinking round some fire. Baton Rouge and days go by the sweet home Alabama drive now. These are the soundtracks to the stories of my life. And I know wherever I go, these songs will always take me home. Johnston here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. I often say that listeners should you know, message me or send me text messages and things like that, and I've had several in the last few days talking about different things. One of the ones that sticks out to me at the moment is one I received from a lady driver in Adelaide talking about the way she was treated at one of the truck stops in Adelaide. You can work out for yourself which one it was, I'm sure. Hey, Mike, with all the talk of rest drops and making things better for truck drivers, I personally experienced a situation today that left me feeling like nothing more than some street animal. Due to unforeseen circumstances, I found myself spending an extra night in Adelaide, and she names the roadhouse in Wingfield, South Australia. At 3.30 in the morning, she felt the need to go to the bathroom, and she woke up desperately needing to go. She climbed out of the truck and headed to the door. The door to the roadhouse was locked. 
She caught the attention of the guy behind the counter and told him that she needed to go. And his response to that was not until 5am. Now, she needed to pee. She needed to go now. And his response, once again, was not until 5am. So truck drivers who sleep there are just expected to pee in the car park before 5am. Is that right? It just doesn't seem right to me, does it? She had no choice but to go and hide as best she could and pee between a couple of trailers. Now, not only is that unsanitary, but it's terrible to think that she'd been left with no choice but to do that. The place is covered with cameras, surely. I'm wondering if old mate's standing there on the counter laughing his ass off because he's made someone do that. That's just ridiculous. Now, this roadhouse is advertised as being open 24 hours a day, but you can't use the toilets, you can't use the shower, you can't even get a cup of coffee before 5am. You wonder why people won't stop at these places and support them. A woman, anyone, being treated that way, in my opinion, is absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. We wonder why we can't get people to do this job. You really would think that you should be able to get access to the toilets. Bearing the bum in public to have a pee, it's just a bloody disgrace. That's not just the governments and freight forwarders and the customers that are treating us like dirt. It's happening across the board. It's just not good enough. That's something to talk about. Hey, if you've got something to say, by all means, feel free. Send me a text message or call me 0418 Look out for us on Facebook, on Twitter, or send me an email, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au and we'll get back to you or maybe relay your thoughts on the show. Take care out there and we'll see you on the road. G'day everyone. This is Gordon, your favorite Canadian refugee trucker living in America, where... Whilst hauling logs around the far northern reaches of Appalachia, I enjoy the On the Road podcast with Mike and Andy. Keep it up with the news and history and everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Here on the road, it's time for the news. Top of the morning, Mike, and happy Australia Day to you. Happy Australia Day to you too, mate. What a day. Yeah. What a great day. Yeah. Well, I don't know how good it is for you. How's the poor old battered body going? Any signs of mending yet? Oh, look, I've been over to see the quack mate, and he tells me I'm going to be piloting a desk for about six months. I'm not happy. Oh, goodness. 
and someone else is driving me 9 mm. and I'll be here doing this. I'm going to be going and doing a little bit of work from home for the company. I'm going to be doing some OH&S stuff. Doesn't that sound riveting? Sounds like great fun, yeah. <laughs> sounds repetitive and boring to me, but anyway, yeah. it's got to be done. Wish I was there. No. Oh, look, I, <laughs> I bet you wouldn't after you'd been here for half an hour, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, mate, being Australia Day, there's going to be a lot of people spending a lot of time in pubs. Yep. As is the want for Australia Day. Yep. So I was having a little bit of a think, and being how this is my last opportunity to share my dubious dad jokes with you, I thought I'd give you a quick selection of my favourite walks into a bar jokes. Awesome. I can't wait. (laughs) You ready for it? I'm ready. I'm strapped in safely. I'm good. And just think any hate mail you get after this, you'll have to deal with. That's right. There you go. All right, here we go. Number one, two blondes walk into a bar. Mm. You'd think one of them would have seen it. (laughs) Number two, a bear walks into a bar and says, I'll have a beer. Okay. And some of those peanuts. Okay. The bartender says, why the big paws? (laughs) Number three, a horse walks into a bar. The bartender says, hey. The horse says, you read my mind, buddy. <laughs> You're an idiot. Number four. So there was this dyslexic guy who walks into a bra. Oh, God. <laughs> save me, someone save me. Number five. A man walks into a bar with a huge chunk of asphalt under his arm and says, beer please, mate, and one for the road. It's getting worse. Number six. A pair of jumper cables walks into a bar. The bartender says, okay, but don't you go starting anything. <laughs> God help me. Number seven, the grasshopper walks into a bar. The bartender says, hey, you're quite a celebrity around here. We've even got a drink named after you. And the grasshopper says, what, George? (laughs) (laughs) Number eight, a chihuahua walks into a bar and orders a martini. The bartender says, you don't see chihuahuas in here ordering a martini very often. The dog says, at these prices, I'm not surprised, mate. Two guys walk into it. This is number nine. Two guys walk into a bar and start drinking non-stop until one of them falls off his stool and lies motionless on the floor. Yep. That's one good thing about Fred, says his mate. He knows when to stop. (laughs) God, please tell me number ten's the last one. And last and by all means, is number ten. Three vampires walk into a bar. What can I get you? Asks the bartender. Blood, orders the first vampire. Make it two, says the second. What about your mate? Asks the bartender. He'll have a plasma, says the first vampire. Right, says the bartender. Let me see if I got this straight. So that's two bloods and a blood light. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the end of an era. <laughs> i got to just wipe the tears out of my eyes, mate. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All good. Uh, <laughs> On with the news. Mike, a truckie who successfully made a workers' compensation claim for injuries he suffered while unloading his truck has been caught out continuing to work whilst receiving payments and fined $50,000 for his transgression. Yeah, a bit of compo fraud. Nothing like a little bit of compo fraud if you can get away with it. Obviously, this bloke didn't get away with it. No. $3,000 and he's been ordered to repay the money, 47 odd thousand. So he failed to disclose his employment to his GP or insurer. And uh, was caught out. I wonder how he got caught out. I wonder what happened there. Don't know. I don't know. Mm. 
there were private investigator guys that used to run around and quite look at people and see what they were doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe they still do. Maybe his wife dropped him in or something. Maybe she did. Yeah. WorkSafe Insurance's business unit executive director, Roger Arnold, said that fraudulent activity undermined the scheme's ability to provide support for injured workers. I don't know about the scheme's ability to provide support for injured workers. I'll tell you what I'm struggling with at the moment with this workers' compensation thing. Mm. You know, you've got to go and see people and have tests and all that sort of stuff. You can't get in to see anyone. No. That's a problem. Don't seem to worry about that. WorkSafe will not hesitate to prosecute anyone who attempts to cheat the system for personal gain. Mm. Perhaps we should go after some politicians for cheating the system for personal gain. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. Moving along. Well, we hear this one far too often, Mike, or at least variations on the theme, but a 15-year-old boy, a 15-year-old girl and an 18-year-old male have all been taken into custody, accused of throwing rocks at a passing truck's windscreen, which caused the driver to lose control and crash into a guardrail on the Logan Motorway south of Brisbane. Yeah, this is just bloody ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, when you could drive through Fitzroy Crossing, it wasn't unusual to get rocks thrown at you there. Mm. I mean, there are plenty of places with small country towns where kids don't have much to do to amuse themselves except to throw trucks... Throw trucks at rocks, yeah. Throw trucks at rocks. (laughs) There are plenty of places in small country towns where kids don't have much to do to amuse themselves, and it seems a fun pastime is to chuck rocks at the passing motor vehicles. I remember when we were kids, we used to throw darts at dartboards. Yeah. Not rocks at cars. Used to throw balls at other kids. Yeah. There was a fun game called Brandy, remember that? Yeah, yeah, we used to do it with shot puts. <laughs> You'd know if you'd been branded. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't think they ever realise, or maybe they do, but I don't think they ever realise the amount of danger that they're putting people in by doing it. I don't think they care, mate. Maybe they don't. Mm. I know that you used to go into Moree, into the bypass in Moree there, and the kids would love to chuck rocks at you. It did happen up at the Queensland border there too, near the Wobbly Boot at Bogabilla as well. You'd come up to the corner there, and mm. uh, they'd throw rocks at you and drive around through Bogabilla. They'd throw rocks at you. Guys would jump out and chase them, mm. and while they were chasing them, the other kids would pile into their truck and ransack it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rack off with the wallet that you left on the bloody dashboard and the phone and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Who says bush rangers don't still exist, eh? Well, they do. Yeah. Stagecoach, hold it up. Stagecoach. But you sort of get caught with your own stupidity. You're better off just to say, well, that's it. I mean, I got half a house brick chucked at me at Sojourner one day. Mm. And it hit the bunk and put a big dent in just under the vent. Mm. Were you in the bunk at the time? No, I wasn't. I was driving. Okay. Rose was in the bunk, though. Oh, okay. She got a bit of a surprise. I bet. Fancy waking up in the bunk to find you lying next to a big brick. <laughs> Brick, that was one. <laughs> no, we're not going to go there, mate. Please. No. There was no reason for it. It's not as if I drove past him and waved at him with one finger or something. Mm. It was just, uh, you know, it just happened up. I'm driving past. Oh, I'll just huck this half a house brick at you. That was fun. You can't do anything about it. The police don't seem as though they want to do anything about it. This accident that happened on the Logan, they closed the westbound lanes. I'm pleased that the police actually caught someone. Yeah. I'm also pleased that there's going to be some action over it, but really action over these sort of things is pretty rare in my experience. That's why it's refreshing that these guys got caught. Anyway, good on them for doing it. Sad thing to say is that in that area, mate, there's plenty more where they came from. Oh, look, yeah, Mm. no doubt about that. 
A Queensland-based transport business has been caught allegedly paying a truckie well below his entitlements. Yep. The Fair Work Ombudsman is now involved and the owners of the business are now set to face court in Brisbane to face the charges. Nothing like a good dose of old-fashioned bloody wage theft, is there? Mm-hmm. Something that's rampant in the transport industry, but all... I was going to say, so rare in this industry, too. Well, okay, well, it is rare. Mm. It is rare if you close your eyes, mate. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Bassey Transport Group, a waste collection company providing disposal services around the Brisbane and Logan areas, they're set to face court. A lady named Satie Bassey. It's a good Australian name, isn't it? Any relation to Shirley? I don't know. Probably not. Shirley had a pretty good voice. She did. I liked a bit of Shirley Bassey. Great hairstyle, too. Yeah. (laughs) Huge. Absolutely huge. Hmm. Um, Anyway. Everyone's going to court. Fair Work began an investigation after receiving a request for assistance from one of their drivers who was employed on a part-time basis uh, between 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a bit of an investigation. They issued a compliance notice, which Mr. Bassey just chose to ignore the compliance order because I think he probably thought he could get away with it. Yeah. And once upon a time, he probably would have. Mm. There was an allegation the worker had not been paid shift work, overtime rates, holiday rates, you know, leave entitlements, you know, all the usual stuff that they tend to not pay you. Yep. Then the ombudsman alleged that Mr. Bassey, without a reasonable excuse, failed to comply with the compliance notice. So he's now back to face the music again and will be forced to pay the piper and he faces a penalty of about six and a half thousand bucks. Should be more of it, in my opinion. I think so. Hope they give him a good old-fashioned reaming. That'll be good. Find the biggest book they can and throw it at him. That's it. That's right. Several times. Yep. Mike, after the devastating floods in WA, the severely damaged Fitzroy Crossing bridge connecting the east and west Kimberley is to be rebuilt, with barges being used to ferry goods across the Fitzroy River in the interim. Yeah, look, there's going to be a lot of improvement up there. The bridge is going to be obviously replaced. Looking at some of the photos of it there, I said the other week it looked like it had been bombed. Well, the water's gone down a little bit now, and I suppose bombed is probably not the right description, but it's certainly collapsed. All the foundations are collapsed. Mm. Just to go through and repair it and re-engineer it, recertify it, is probably not the most viable option. They're going to remove and replace it. Yep. In the interim, they're going to do a low-level crossing. Uh, I suppose that's a floodway, really. Mm. And a barge system to make up the difference, I suppose... I mean, we're used to having barges over here on the eastern states. Wiseman's Ferry, for example, there's a barge there, and there's another one up at the Broadwater on the coast up there, on the central coast. Hmm. That used to be a song back in the 60s, wasn't it? I think it did. Ferry across the Fitzroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that was the Mersey, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was sorry. the Mersey, mate. Yeah, the Mersey. Mersey. Hmm. Give yourself a slapping, mate. You're getting your history mixed up. I sat on a ferry on the Mersey opposite Liverpool. All right, yeah. Yeah, sang the song to myself, much to the... Didn't you? Chagrin of the other passengers standing on the deck at the time. Hmm. So you weren't singing it to yourself at all, you were singing it out loud to everyone else. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been known to do that in the cab, mate. Mm. Have a bit of a concert in the cab. Mm. Main roads hope to have Broome reconnected with Fitzroy Crossing and Derby in four weeks, so when the temporary gravel road is expected to be complete. Some side tracks are going to be built for the free flow of traffic while they redo the work. They're going to go ahead and get these barges sorted out. That's going to be no small undertaking all on its own. Mm. And uh, hopefully things will be able to return to normal as quickly as possible for the people of Derby. I know that we've seen some barges 
There was one taking in a triple load of fuel in there. There were some pictures of that. Derby's actually been cut off. They can't get anything into there. Over the weekend, this last weekend, the shops ran out of all sorts of things. The mayor was actually on television and radio asking people to not go and panic buy. Mm. You know, it's a human instinct, isn't it, really, to go and get whatever's there to, to look after what you may need to have down the track. Oh, if anything goes wrong, just go and buy as much toilet paper as you can. Yeah. Well, yeah, toilet paper's at a premium, I'm sure, up there. Mm. Road trains are still going to have to take detours through the middle of Australia, though. So that's going to make life a little bit more difficult, isn't it? It is. All that fruit and veg and, and all the stuff that's got to come out of up around Kununurra and everything rather than coming down to Perth is going to have to go to Darwin and be transshipped or brought down to Adelaide that way. Yeah, yeah. It's a tragedy up there. It's devastating. But it just goes to show once again the lack of thought that some of our people, when they kick the can down the road, the amount of problems can happen when things get cut off. And this is a clear-cut example of it. Mm. There are other examples. The Ad Bluey example. Mm -hmm. We kick the can down the road until there's a problem. Mm. Nothing gets done. And then the hits the fan and we all go, oh, what do we do now? And we act surprised. Mm. That's one. The pallet shortages are another one. Mm -hmm. The fuel shortage, the amount of fuel that we actually hold onshore in Australia. What happens if things go wrong? Mm -hmm. We've reduced all of our capacity to produce this sort of stuff for ourselves and uh, unfortunately not a lot of forethought goes into it. Because there's nothing wrong now and no one's crying about it now, we kick the can down the road, we'll deal with that later, we'll deal with it later, we'll deal with it later. That's why Rome fell. Because they didn't deal with their problems when they had them. The answer's there. Mm. plain as the nose on your face. But apart from those few small examples, uh, everything else is going pretty swimmingly, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, mate. Mm. You've only just got to look at what's going on in Alice Springs now. Mm. I mean, just a segue to something else that's been cocked up by bloody <laughs> lack of forethought. Mm -hmm. You know, change a policy that's been working for years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the people that are living up there warn about it and say, don't do this because if you do, it's going to go sideways. And of course, then when it goes sideways... Our esteemed leader has to be shamed to go up there and have a look. Mm. They got some buses and they moved a heap of people out of the way so our esteemed leader didn't see them. Yeah. How third world is that? Yeah. And then he says, oh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. You know? Mm. The dipstick can't say he wasn't warned. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's uh, let's go on. I've got another unpleasant thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, look, just before we do, mate, before I forget to say it, mm. great interview you did with Donna this week. I enjoyed that. What a lovely lady. Mate, a lovely lady, but an amazing story and beautifully put together. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That's good. Mm. I finally started to get it right, mate, and now you're not going to be editing anymore. <laughs> oh, well, I'll enjoy listening to it as a, as a loyal <laughs> listener instead. I'm not sure you'll enjoy listening to my editing, mate. I'm not sure that that's going to be true. <laughs> time will tell. Mate, just for old time's sake, mm. one more time, yeah. you know what I'm going to ask for. I'm sure you've got some breaking news for me. I do. I beep 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 beep. Oh man, I'm going to miss that. Are you going to miss that? It's because I'm too cheap to pay for the sound effect license for that one. Well, I've actually got the proper sound effect, but it's nowhere near as good as yours. Isn't it? Nah. Jeez, I love that, mate. No, yours has got character. You know what I've just done? What? I've just closed the wrong window. Just hang on for a second. Oh God. Nothing like professional broadcasting. Nothing like it. Nothing like it at all. Sake. Hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. 
it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're working with turkeys, mate. That's it. Hang around with dogs, you'll end up with fleas. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Truck driver faces caught over Bacchus Marsh school bus crash that left the Ballarat students in hospital, mate. That's yeah. the breaking news on the ABC at the moment. Wow. He's face caught. He's been charged with 46 offences in relation to the crash that left dozens of students and staff in hospital last year. Brett Michael Russell, a 60-year-old driver driving a truck, collided with a bus carrying students from Laredo College, Ballarat, on the Western Highway last September 21. Yeah. So they were en route to the Melbourne airport. They were going on the NASA space camp holiday. Oh, goodness. Which would have been a bit of an excitement for them. Once-in-a-lifetime thing, yeah. You gave the bus a bit of a shunt, and the bus left the road, rolled over, and obviously the kids were injured. He was driving a B-double and went to have a mechanical inspection. The inspection has determined that the brakes were declining, whatever that means. So there's been a lasting impact from the crash, obviously. This is a breaking story. There's going to be a lot more on this. Mm. We are unfortunately going to see yet another case where someone looks like they've probably done the wrong thing and the whole industry is going to pay the price for it. Yeah, it's looking that way. I will quote the words of a famous Australian. Mm. That's a bloke named Bob McMillan. You've never heard of him, I'm sure. I know Bob McMillan. <laughs> we were having a chat the other day and we were talking about the fact that the only thing you ever read in the news is crap, right? Mm. And he said to me when he was working with Truck and Life, which was a magazine that doesn't exist anymore, one of my favourite trucker magazines too, by the way, mm. the bloke that ran the show there said the only things that ran in trucking magazines were sh- shock, sham and disaster. Yeah. And then if the readership falls off, put a red Kenworth on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> that's how they used to deal with it back in the day, mate. That's it. That's you and me. Well, mate, I guess this is my final thought for the week. Thank you. It's a serious one, but I think it's a good one for us all to take on board. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And he said, Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. It's true. It is. How very, very true is that in the last several years of our lives have shown that to be true. Yeah. Mate. I'm going to miss doing the news with you. I really am. Me too. The highlight of my week every week. <laughs> At least we I, have a laugh. I really need to get out more, hey? You do need to get out more. You really do. Yeah. Well, you never know. We might be able to do a guest spot sometime in the future with the news just to remind everyone of why they're better off not having my jokes. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much. It's been a very, very great pleasure and an honour to work with you. It's been a hoot. Thanks, mate. Take care. See ya. It's time for me to sign off for the last time. Thanks to Mike for the great times we've had putting this show together over the years. Thanks to all our wonderful sponsors for their support. Thanks to all the amazing Aussie music superstars who've given up their time to come and play on the road with us. Most of all, a huge thank you to all of you, our amazing loyal listeners. Thanks for putting up with my warped sense of humour and still coming back for more. In the inimitable words of Douglas Adams from his Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, So long, and thanks for all the fish. I'll see you on the road. Bye for now. Bye-bye. 
once again, the name on everyone's lips at Tamworth this year was James Johnston, with his six nominations leading to two golden guitars and a legion of new and adoring fans. James closed out the awards show with a crowd-stopping rendition of the song that started it all for him. So it's only fitting that James Johnston closes out our show for this week. Here he is with Small Town. Backed up traffic on the highway, going nowhere. I had to stay back and work late. Yeah, I'm over it. Trying to look up, but all I see, high rise stepping down at me. Not a star in sight, so I'm just thinking. I'll head back to a small town, homebound. Back to what I know, back to a big sky. Low five, that's where I'll go. Others always been. Never gave it up So tonight it's time to turn this thing around Let's go Back to a small town Got my hands tapping on the dashboard to a country song, and I can't get there now fast enough. So, man, I'm gonna tear it up. Gonna drive it all night, running to the sunrise. Only place I'll go is back to a small town, homebound. Back to what I know, back to a big sky. Low five, that's where I'll go. Others oh, On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. The team here at On the Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Get the bonfire ready, get the beers in the Yeti Cause baby, I'm on my way Back to a small town, homebound Back to what I know Back to a big sky, little low five That's where I'll go Others oh, always been a part of me That never gave it